0: Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening.
1: Today we're going to be continuing walking through the book of Mark in chapter 7, verses 24 through 30. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear the word of the Lord. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she begged him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For the statement you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. I'm going to go ahead and pray for Billy as he walks us through the word this morning. God, what a... What a beautiful look at the, one of the great central mysteries of the gospel, Lord, that it is not just for the Jew, but also for the Gentile. I pray that we would see the, the vast holistic nature of the gospel in this passage, Lord, that we would see the liberation from, from the dark forces that oppress us in this world. Lord, that we would see the freeing grace and mercy of Jesus. In this passage, how he welcomes those who have ears to hear to him, how he is a healer and a good savior and a redeemer. I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray that our hearts would be soft to how you would speak to us this morning. I pray that you would give Billy wisdom and clarity as he works through this passage this morning. I just pray that in all things, we would hear your voice and we would hear the gospel, that it would impact us to move forward from this place to live the rest of our lives before the the face of God and in his presence. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. You guys can be seated. couple, two other things I want to remind you guys of. One, uh, next steps, man, uh, I would love to have you there. So that, again, that's at two. So if you want to be a part of that, just hop on. You can click that Zoom link and uh, you'll be hanging out with me. For just about an hour, not very long. We'll keep it short and uh, maybe shorter if you don't have a ton of questions. But if you have a ton, I'll stay as long as you want. So there's that. The second thing is if you look at the uh, worship guide, there's a video. We put this out on our Facebook, we put this uh, on the front page of the website. It's a video uh, that Acts 39 put together. And man, if you you want your heart to just leap and be encouraged, I would I would highly highly recommend it to you. It's so good just to see brothers and sisters all across the globe worshiping our great God. So. As we jump in this morning, every week we offer a welcome here at Coram Deo, right? Maybe that's new for you, that's weird, you've never been at a church that does something quite like that before. But here's why we do that. One, um, we find that the liturgy, right, the order of our worship, really kind of structures, some of that, that redundancy structures and reminds us of God's faithfulness, His provision, His kindness. But here's the number one reason we do it, because we want you to know that you are welcome here. Simply put, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, right? I feel like I'm sounding like the Backstreet Boys right now. But hear hear me out. Seriously, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, or what you've done, right? Because here's the deal. None of us are so far gone that God cannot reach us. That's so important for you to hear. You are welcome here. No matter your past, no matter your present reality, no matter the road you've been headed down, You are welcome here, because Christ has offered us welcome. In fact, that's what we're going to study today. We've been in the gospel of Mark now for a while, and Mark is widely regarded as the first gospel written. I know you're looking at your Bible going, "Uh uh-uh, Matthew, Mark. No, 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 I know, that's just the order it's put in. But Mark actually was written first, And it's based on the teaching ministry of the Apostle Peter, who was one of the disciples of Jesus. And the entire book of Mark is essentially a demonstration of what Jesus did and an invitation to a relationship with him. And it reads kind of like an action movie, right? It's just boom, boom, boom. You're going to notice over and over the word immediately. If you don't like to read long books, Mark's the book for you because it's the shortest Right? You know when you were in high school and you had that essay and you had to reach a certain word count, so you, you kind of started uh, writing words that sounded a little bit smarter and were a little bit longer so you could get there? That ain't Mark. <laughs> Mark does not waste words. He's quick. And in fact, he's so very direct, Right, he gets right after it, that when we get to our passage today, it highlights the fact that nobody is beyond God's reach. But on the surface... This is a very hard passage. This is one of the most difficult moments in the gospel, in part because of Mark's brevity. He just kind of lays it out there and then walks away and doesn't really unpack it at all. So I I was preparing, working on this, and Jen came up to me and said, how are you going to preach this? I can't wait. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, this is probably the most difficult passage in the whole Bible for me. And I was like, great, cool, cool, not nervous now, nope, not worried. Yeah, like super, it's super hard, right? Because there's a lot going on here. So we're going to walk through it together. And as we get into this text, here's what I'm going to tell you. It's going to get a little awkward. It's going to get a little weird. But I want you to stay with me because it gets much better. And if you've ever felt like you don't fit in, if you've ever felt like you're kind of an outsider looking in, if you've you've ever felt maybe sitting here right now, I don't really belong here, you're going to see that that feeling is actually to your advantage. And this passage, it could change you. And I'm actually praying towards that end. So let's jump right in. It starts with a a short break. So if you have a Bible, flip over to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, and we're going to look down in verse 24. And this is what it says. And from there, he, Jesus, arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. So the last time we had a little bit of geography happening, we were back in Mark chapter 6, verse 53, where it tells us that Jesus was in Gennesaret. That means that now Jesus has traveled some 30 miles northwest to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And here's what we, we saw last week at the beginning of chapter 7. Jesus had this kind of spicy little exchange with the Pharisees and the scribes. The Pharisees regarding themselves as the religious elite in Israel, and the scribes were considered the experts in the Old Testament law. And Jesus had to step on the scene and set them straight on what makes a person clean or unclean. Because the religious dudes thought you could become unclean by touching something. And Jesus says, well, the good news is you don't get unclean by touching stuff. The bad news is you are already unclean because of the wicked little heart inside of you for it is out of the heart that comes evil, right? You don't catch it. You've already got it. The exchange we saw comes after what was a pretty intense time in the ministry of Jesus. Lots of confrontation, lots of healing, lots of teaching. So it's not surprising that Jesus and the disciples are like, man, let's get away. It's a long weekend. Let's just get out of town. Let's recoup. Let's rest. That's not Weird, right? This is something we often see Jesus do. He takes moments of rest. But what's surprising here is where he goes. You can tell that he doesn't want anyone to talk to him. He really wants to get away because he goes to a spot where nobody's going to follow him. See, the region of Tyre and Sidon is a Gentile region. That means it's a non-Jewish region. It's beyond the borders of ancient Israel, and Jesus rarely went there the fact that this is on the Mediterranean coast probably helped a little bit, you know, like, hey, no one's going to follow us, and it's beautiful. But it's not a place that was popular for long weekends with the Jews. The Jewish historian Josephus, referring to the people of Tyre, this is what he said. He called them our bitterest enemies. They were not well liked. So this is not where Jews usually go, and Jesus goes looking to have a little break. And it says he goes into a house. He doesn't want anyone to know he's there, but unfortunately, he doesn't really get a break. Poor Jesus, man. Like, that's kind of the whole gospel, right? It's like everywhere he goes, it's like, I'm just going to kick up my feet relax, and someone's like, help! And he's like, are you kidding me? Just like 10 minutes, please. Those of you with parents of littles know what he's feeling, right? You and Jesus have got something going on there. He goes into a house. And he doesn't get much of a break because his fame had spread far and wide. Even back in actually Mark chapter 3, we saw people from Tyre and Sidon were coming to Jesus. They were coming down to Israel saying, hey, we need help. Jesus cannot hide in plain sight anymore. Now, before we get into the meat of this passage, I just want to say this. This is not a throwaway verse. We said this a few weeks ago, but let me just say this again. If Jesus rests, so should you, okay? And I don't mean like vacation all the time necessarily. Vacations are great. Take them, enjoy them, rest that way. But learn how to cultivate rest as a rhythm in your life, right? Don't like burn the candle at both ends so badly that by the time you go on vacation, you're just irritable and it's awful and you're not really restored, right? Rest, take note from Jesus. If Jesus rests, so should you, even though his rest is interrupted. Okay, now let's get into the real meat of this story. There's an outsider that comes to Jesus looking for help. Verse 25. But immediately, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. So what the disciples and Jesus thought was going to be a sweet little break, this woman actually views as a sweet opportunity because she had a daughter who was possessed by a demon, and she believed Jesus could help her. However, even before this woman opens her mouth, she's got three strikes against her. Number one, she's a woman. In that culture, the Jews did not regard women with dignity or equality. They were not considered to be a reliable witness in a court of law. They were not respected. Secondly, so she's a woman, right? But she's also a Gentile. I mean, she's, again, not Jewish. She's a woman and a Gentile. Here's the thing about Gentiles. The Jews don't like them at all. Not even a little bit. Several weeks ago, and actually even in our community groups this past week, we looked at Jesus healing a leper. We talked about the stigma that would fall on a leper. In fact, right, this is something that was such a big deal that if you had leprosy, you were unclean. And if you touched someone with leprosy, they made you unclean as well. Many Jews felt the exact same way they felt about lepers, about Gentiles. Right, if you touched a Gentile, you were ceremonially unclean. And you may say, well, what did the Gentile have or what did the Gentile do? And the answer is, they were born a Gentile. They considered Gentiles innately, in and of themselves, just because they were not Jewish, unclean. And so again, we got a woman who's also a Gentile rolling up into a home before Jesus. But what's even more than that is she was a Syrophoenician. That is, this gal was from Tyre, who Josephus says was their bitterest enemy. And the city from which, if you ever get into the, kind of the Old Testament stuff, you read about Elijah, you may have heard this woman's name, Jezebel, right? You probably heard that one before. Uh, she was an absolute train wreck, okay? She almost single-handedly destroyed the northern kingdom by herself, right? And guess where she's from? Tyre. So, even before this woman opens her mouth, she's got marks against her. If the Pharisees and the scribes were there, their heads would be spinning. And here's the thing the disciples themselves, they ain't having it. No way. If you go to Matthew's account of this and you get into Matthew chapter 15, the disciples go up to Jesus and they want her gone. This is what it says. And his disciples came and begged him saying, send her away for she is crying out after us. This woman is a Gentile Syrophoenician and they want her to just get rid of her. They want him to just get rid of her. Now for us living some 2000 years removed in the United States of America, we shudder at the thought of this. For we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That was really hard to not start rapping that. I'm not going to lie. All right? We have the pursuit of happiness. Well, it wasn't so back then. And if I could say this nicely, I don't think we're as awesome at it now as we like to think we are. You don't have to raise your hand because, I mean, certainly this wouldn't apply to us, right? Have you ever had an interaction with someone in the service industry who clearly does not speak English as their first language, and you're frustrated because you're talking to them, and they're just really difficult to understand, they're not understanding what you're saying, you're just like, man, this person should just learn to speak some English. Have you ever seen someone who's destitute, strung out on drugs, maybe homeless and with disdain thought, man, if they would just get their act together, they wouldn't be in that position. Do you guys think that in the 2,000 years since this, we've gotten it right with the way that we treat women? Do you think women are no longer objectified in our culture? Do you think all women are treated with dignity and respect and equality because we've come so far? Do you think people of color enjoy justice to an equal degree across all 50 states? For as far as we think we have come, we still have so much work to do. And I say that because before we look so judgmentally down on these people, we we got our own stuff, right? We've come a long way in our culture, yes. But Coram Deo, we've got a long way to go. Maybe, more personally for you, when you think of the woman right, how she's an outsider, when you think of this woman, do you feel like people look at you like that? Do you feel like people look at at you like that here? Do you feel like an outsider? Do you feel like, man, I just don't belong? Listen, we we don't want that. And Jesus doesn't want that. And we're going to see that. However, it's going to get really bumpy before we do. So here's what I'm going to say. T- you know, tray table up, you know, seat belt fastened, put your seat up. It's going to get bumpy. This woman has a daughter possessed by, demon, by a demon, and she comes to Jesus. She's an outsider, but she's looking for help. And Jesus' response to her is, not yet. Not yet. Verse 27, and he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Okay. Now, best case, some of us are kind of like, well, that's awkward, right? That's best case scenario. Worst case, some of you are like, man, Jesus sounds kind of like a jerk. Most of us are like, did he really just call that woman a dog? Now, The only thing I could say is maybe it's a little bit better that he didn't call her a cat because I've seen some and that would be really mean, right? But that's not what happens here. He calls her a dog. And this really riles people up. Specifically commentators and other people who study this, they want to try to to soften it a bit. Some commentators say that Jesus, when he said these words, he had a twinkle in his eye. Like with a grin, like, oh, I'll, I'll let the children be fed first for it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Better? Other commentators like to point out that, yeah, this is true, this is a dog, but the word for dog there isn't the word for, uh, a regular word for a dog, it's actually uh, the word for a little dog. So quick poll amongst our women. Better? Right, (laughs) right. No, 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 I didn't call you a dog, sweetie, I called you a little dog, right? That's not gonna go well. It's not gonna go well, okay? Jesus is using strong language, and this is especially troublesome if you grew up with this picture of Jesus as the gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Maybe you need to take a second to just kind of recalibrate your view of Jesus. Jesus is not a pushover. Jesus is not against saying hard things to bring people to a decision. And Jesus is always, catch this, this is important, Jesus is always ever loving in everything he does. There's two things, especially for us, living 2,000 years after the fact in a different culture that we need to remember. Number one, Jesus was a Jewish man. He was the Jewish Messiah. And second, he often spoke in parables. Jesus used stories and word pictures to convey a deeper meaning. A reminder as well, God chose the Israelites to be his chosen people from whom all the nations of the worlds would be blessed. It's a biblical fact right from the beginning in Genesis chapter 12, verse three. God speaking to a man named Abraham said, you will be the father of my people and through you all the nations of the world will be blessed. The prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years later, still points to the mission that the Jews would be a light to the nations. Right Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah envisions a day when all the nations would come flowing to the house of God. Jesus is in that stream. He was a Jew when he started his ministry. He picked 12 Jewish men reflective of the 12 tribes of Israel. And when Jesus first sent them out, we read in Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus first sends his disciples out on their first little mission trip, he said, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to Gentile places. Go to the lost sheep of Israel first. And so this parable, kind of to fast forward and unpack it, is in his parable, the children in the parable are the children of God, the Jews. And the bread in the parable is the message and ministry of Jesus. The dogs in this parable are Gentiles. Now, that's a pretty harsh word to use for Gentiles. But again, this is a common derogatory term that the Jews used for Gentiles. Now, here's the silver lining of this. Jesus holds out a little bit of hope, doesn't he? Because what he says is that first, he doesn't say the dogs will never be fed. He says right now the bread has got to go to the kids. First the children eat, for you, not yet. Now if we step aside, just from the narrative for a moment, because there's a couple things that I think we we don't get a lot of chance to just kind of think about. (laughs) Again, right, Jesus was a Jewish man. He was the Jewish Messiah, and Jesus was a big fan of the Old Testament. And I say that because sometimes in our culture, right, especially growing up in the church, we kind of are not really big fans of the Old Testament. Some people look at God in the Old Testament, and they're like, man, God was hot-headed. That God was angry. That God was mean. But Jesus, he's so awesome. Sometimes I think we're going to roll up into heaven and we're going to see Jesus. He's going to have his arms crossed and his, you know, kicking his feet. He's going to be like, sorry about my dad, guys. You know, that's what we think is going to happen. But Coram Deo, listen, Jesus is not embarrassed about anything in the Old Testament. There's, there's nothing that God did in the Old Testament where Jesus said, Dad, what are you doing? No, Jesus believed the Old Testament. He did not come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. And the God of the Old Testament is the same God today. And Jesus Christ is his son, and he has no regrets. The second thing that we don't often think about is this is the program that the early church was on. Right? Think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary who ever lived, would go from city to city, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. But in every city, do you know where he went first? To the synagogue. Always, always. First to the synagogue. Romans 1:16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. And we look at it now, and we, we when we do, we get a little twitchy when we think about God choosing people, God electing a certain group of people, but it's in the Bible, and these pages never make an excuse for it. A Gentile woman from Sarah Phoenicia comes to Jesus asking for help, and he legitimately says. Not yet. To the Jew first. How would you respond to that? How would you respond in that moment? I think a lot of us would think, man, good gracious, Jesus. It's just a mom looking for help. What's astounding, and what we might miss, what's marvelous, is the woman understands what Jesus is saying, and she responds in faith and humility. Look at verse 28. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. There's a couple things. First, this is the first and only time in the Gospel of Mark where somebody actually addresses Jesus as Lord. The only time in the entire Gospel of Mark that someone addresses Jesus as Lord is a Gentile woman. Second, this is the first time in the gospel of Mark that Jesus speaks in a parable and the person he's speaking to understands it and hears it. Time and time again, Jesus is teaching, he's talking in parables, and then they go into the house and the disciples are like, dude, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you just said. I don't even understand. And the first one who gets it is a Gentile woman. She understands what Jesus is saying, and he, she's so witty. She responds to Jesus in this parable. She steps to Jesus. Jesus throws down a parable, and she answers him in the parable with faith. Right? She believes Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, and she understands as such. Right? She's the outsider. She essentially says, Jesus, I know. I know. The Jews are first. I know that I'm outside. I know that you should not take their bread and give it to us. I recognize it, but you know what, Jesus? I also know something about kids. I know the way they eat. I know that the crumbs are going to fall from what you have given them. I don't want you to take from them. I just want to have the crumbs. They drop That's not breaking the order of things. I I don't want to take the bread and, 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 and take it and give it to me. I want the crumbs that they forget about. Coram Deo, there is a lot of us here who would claim faith in Jesus. A lot of us here would say we believe like she believed that Jesus is the Messiah. But what she possessed what really gave the weight to her comments is the thing that not all of us, and I say this kindly, do. She had humility. She had humility. Not many of us would take too kindly to someone we've never talked before calling us a dog. This woman essentially is saying, I get it to the Jews first. I don't want you to take their bread. Listen, call me a dog. Call me whatever you want. Rightfully, you could call me much worse. I'm bringing nothing to this. I'm on my knees. My daughter needs help, and I'm begging you. Can you do it? Can you just give me a crumb? I've got nowhere else to go. And that, that, friends, is what is the biggest stumbling block to so many of us trusting in Jesus as Savior. I think most of us, right? Too many in the modern church, though we would never say it out loud, when we pray, when we ask for things, we sort of think God owes me one. My service, my giving, my time, my acts of kindness, I'm not perfect, but man, I'm so much better than them. Come on, God, help a brother out. This woman came to Jesus fully convinced I am nothing except in need help me the gospel of jesus christ is that all have fallen short of the glory of god not one of us no one here today not one person has the ability to say something that makes me different and god you owe me this one no we are all, every single one of us, outside of Jesus, dead in our sin and desperately in need of a Savior. And Jesus offers us forgiveness through his grace. But it requires humility to accept it. You know you talk about people that you want to you meet when you get to heaven. I've heard people say, man, I want to meet Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I just want to high-five the Apostle Paul. I'm telling you what, studying this this week, I mean, I, I want to meet this woman. Because she steps to Jesus. She challenges him with his own words. And she receives what it was that she came looking for. She's an outsider. It shows us, friends, that we can be saved no matter who you are, what you've done. If you respond to Jesus in faith with humility, he will respond to you. Verse 29, and he said to her for this statement, You may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Now, I can't say this for certain because I don't know, but I kind of imagine that when Jesus said that, I bet he had a twinkle in his eye then. (laughs) That he sat back and he thought, I have been with these goobers for how long now? And they've never connected the dots. Lady, I stood before the religious elite of my country and it did not compute And you are a woman who's never had any formal education. You're a Gentile. You were not brought up in the faith, and you are our bitterest enemy. Yet you get it. And to you and your kind belong the kingdom of God. Go for this statement. Your daughter is made well. This is the only time in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus heals from a distance. We're not going to waste any more of your time, lady. It's done. It's done. And Jesus would do it for you. But it's not just believing that Jesus died for the sins of the world. It's also having a humility to acknowledge, and I needed him to do it for me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is tremendously great news. It is the most magnificent, magnificent, amazing thing I've ever heard. But it's Only for people who recognize they need it. You and I have no right to look down on anyone. Each and every one of us is in desperate need of forgiveness for our sin, our iniquity. Because it has separated us from God. And when you, by faith, confess Jesus Christ as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and ask him to forgive you because you have these the, things that need forgiveness, he will save you. Friends, weakness is the way. We, we grew up in the South, right? I grew up here. We kind of buy into this line, hook, hook, line, and sinker that like, oh, I do good things, then God will be happy with me, then God will be satisfied with me. We create this culture where people who are broken and in sin, who, you know, the people that Jesus would eat dinner with, the prostitutes, the sinners, the tax collectors, we, we, we <laughs> We create this culture where we make them think, you got to first get all your stuff together, get your, get your whole life in order, then you can come and be with Jesus, and that's just a flat-out lie. Then if we do get our theology sort of right, where we say, no, come as you are, then Jesus will forgive you, we think, then the rest of it's up to me. That's an anti-gospel. If it's up to us, we're doomed. We are never not needing Jesus. We are never not needing Jesus. A band I quote all the time because I love them, my epic. They say, I was a slave content to beg beneath your table, but you took me in and made me a son. Friend, if you feel like your life is out of control, if you feel like you just can't get it together. If you read Romans 7 and you're like, that sounds like an autobiography. I want to do what's right, but I keep doing what's wrong. How do I move forward? Here's the thing. If you think that you just wake up in the morning and check all the boxes, make sure you read your Bible and have your perfect quiet time or the Holy Spirit won't be active in your life and you got to do all these things And if you don't serve the church in just the right way at just the right time and if I don't do all these things, if I don't call my mom every week and I don't check in with these people, my whole life has to be perfect. No. Jesus says, come with humility and faith. Humility to say, Jesus, I need you. And faith to know that he's the one who can actually heal you. Weakness is the way. We must be dependent on Jesus. If you've ever felt like an outsider, you're a step ahead. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for the hope of the gospel. We're grateful, Lord, that you love us. Jesus, that you've pursued us. That we have been a people who so often look to ourselves. We look to our own strength. We look to our own ability. Father, forgive us. Would we see this story, Lord? And would it challenge us? Would it compel us, Lord, towards obedience that we would see that you, God, are who we truly need? You are who we've needed all along. And would we be a people who cling desperately to you, Lord? We pray this in King Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.